Welcome to episode 29 of the Reimagining Work podcast. This one is going to be entitled Life Without Email. And, uh, well, I don't know how, how if we still uh, use the word authority and uh, thought leader or whatever, guru, those kind of things. Uh, but we have uh, that person on this Posco, uh, podcast. I am Roger Nord. With me is my ever-trusty co-host, John Wenger. Say hi, John. Hi there. And our guest for this episode is none other than Luis Suarez. Bonjour, Luis. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure. And um, although, come on, I, you don't need to use those, those nasty words on me about ninja or guru or that stuff. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, I won't. I, I'll, I'll drop it there and... Um, uh, I'll, I'll go a little bit through your uh, bio for those that do not or are not familiar with you. Uh, you call yourself, and I, I do, I'm, I'm reading it right. So you're a, you call yourself a chief emergineer. So that's right. That's something you can explain later on. <laughs> uh, you're a people enabler. That is something that I do understand. I think. Uh, you're a well-seasoned, and I'm reading, I'm quoting, a well-seasoned social-slash-open business. I like that one, particularly. Mm-hmm. Evangelist and 2.0 practitioner with over 15 years of experience in knowledge management, collaboration, learning, online communities, and social networking for business. Oh, wow. That's a lot. 15 years. That's nice, isn't it? <laughs> it is, but it's actually longer than that. I just realized that um, with the two years that I've been independent, it's almost 18 years. You have to update your, your body. I know. You just, I'm making a note here right now. You guys can see the video, <laughs> but you're listening to this podcast. But I'm making a note saying, like, you need to update your about page on your blog because next to Chief, Chief Emergineer and People Enabler, I have got another one which is called Digital Humanist mm. that I've been using a lot lately in terms of describing mm. what, I, what I do. Yeah, yeah. So thank you, thank, thank you, Roger, for reminding me to update my about page. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> we are so uh, omnitaskful. That's just uh, I don't know if that's a word. I, I'm still stuck on digital transformer with myself, but uh, are, you, are we not? You know that, that digital transformation seems to be the the buzzword to you, right? In terms of, yeah. of everyone doing. Uh, digital transformation. I mean, I remember when it all used to be called Enterprise 2.0 and then mm. everyone was social media, then social business, and then now digital transformation. And yep. and I keep t- thinking to myself, yeah, but still the same thing, you know? Mm. Oh, it still is yeah, about how to true. transform the way we work. I, I do think uh, digital transformation has a, a, a better ring to, uh, especially social business, because there's an other social business that we are not necessarily involved in True. Um, and uh, digital transformation kinds of it does focus more on the now and uh, I must say it kind of loses as a term uh, the human element um, in the uh, in the in the whole endeavor and the whole journey of uh, the transformation that we're in um, which is kind of sad because it should be it still should be there. And every conversation I have with somebody uh, still reminds me that humanity is something that we should not lose 
in mm. uh, in all of this. So, mm. so you see, so you see now why I try to call myself as well a digital humanist. Now, mm. that's exactly mm. the same point where I use that because mm. I think mm. that technology is only take it's only going to take us up to a certain point. But without mm. that humanizing of business or rehumanizing mm. of business, we're not going anywhere. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and eventually, why I, I, you know, I, I, I mean, I like the concept of digital transformation in terms of what it tries to do. But over the last few months, I, I keep trying to think about coming with something else that incorporates both tech and human mm-hmm. at the same, in the same equation, mm-hmm. right? Uh, and I agree with you, Roger, that social business it was hijacked back in the day, right, uh, for something else that. Uh, it's completely different to what originated from, and I, and I. But the thing, though, the thing that I like about the social business theme is that it, it includes the word social, which for someone like me who studied, um, you know, ancient Latin and Greek, socius, mm. which is where it comes from, means partner, mm-hmm. originally. So you know, and, and I think that it describes quite nicely that social business in terms of partnerships and the partnerships that you build, right? Mm. And that's what I really like about it. But um, Digital has hasn't got that inclination to rehumanize businesses, which is eventually what I think we're all busy with. Yes, I was going to say something. Yeah, the, the the I think the problem with social business, the term, is that it it has an inherent lack of uh, noting the technology uh, that we're using uh, to drive this transformation that we're going through. Uh, mm. Or to react to the shift that has already happened, or whatever mm. way you look at it. Um, mm. So yeah, it's something that maybe even uh, also digital transformation will be cast aside at some point until somebody comes up with something better again. Well, well, well I think, still, I think go ahead, John. We're still we're kind of finding our way through, aren't we? From the old from the old way of working to a new way of working, and so I think it seems sensible that we find different iterations for names for things. Mm. I think it does need to kind of. It needs to be uh, compelling, you know, for people to get interested and sign up to it, and for people to begin to educate themselves about what is this, all this digital transformation about. And like you say, digital transformation doesn't quite include the fact that it's about humans. So right. yeah, it's um, it's good that these conversations are had. You know, what are what are, we do? What do we actually call it? Well, we don't know what it really looks like yet because we're not there at the promised land quite yet. We're, we're on the way, but not not there. I think it's uh, one of the important bits about this, about digital transformation, is that as a business, business, uh, you're more inclined to listen when you say, ah, I'm about social business and blah, blah, blah. Uh, Many people who are in decision-making levels will go like, ah, no, 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 no. All the Facebook stuff, no, 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 no. I'm not even listening. But when you start about digital transformation, those kind of things, people tend to listen quicker because the initial uh, uh, getting your foot in the door uh, with companies in order to do this, I think, is not about humans. It's about economics. So, so you see, Roger, now why I walked away a long while ago from social business and I went into open business. That was, mm. that was actually part of the reasoning. Before digital transformation, Mm. And if we started using digital transformation, I, I decided for myself to move away into uh, open business versus social mm. business because exactly that. There were some conversations, especially on a higher level, senior level of, of leadership, where they will tell you, you know, but I don't want my people to be on Facebook. Mm. Now, interestingly enough, 2015, there is Facebook for work or Facebook at work. Mm. Right? Mm. But never mind that conversation. I, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe if, if 
we have a chance we can talk about it. But the thing is that in some circles, uh, the word social was still a taboo word, still is a taboo word. Yeah. Right? Um, so why before digital transformation came in, I, I decided to go for open business, which is something that two guys in the UK started off. That mm. I recall that uh, Dave Cushman and Jimmy Burke, or Jamie Burke, sorry, uh, who were you know they, they, uh, Dave wrote this book about the ten principles of open business, and if you go into that, if you go and read through the book. Uh, essentially, what we're trying to do is exactly that: is opening up business businesses, is is helping uh, the business world understand how we need to become a lot more open, transparent, collaborative, mm. social. Eventually, right? That's mm. what we want to do, but still mm. without purpose around um, around the business itself. You know, business goals or whatever else, or business results, and and obviously trying to really find as well what growth is, right? Because mm-hmm. uh, all of that. You know, scheme about trying to keep growing and growing and growing for mm-hmm. the sake of profit on, and shareholders on a, on a finite planet. Yeah, mm-hmm. right. Exactly. It's not gonna. It's not gonna. You know, continue much longer. Right. Mm-hmm. So, so that whole theme around the open business is. I'm. A, I'm still a big advocate. I'm still. You know, sometimes present myself as an open business evangelist because I. I keep telling people that if we would have adopted some of those ten principles that they put together. Uh, we were probably not having around ninety percent of the business problems that we have today, right? Mm-hmm. Um, in in terms of mostly in terms of transparency and and running businesses as networks and communities versus top down hierarchical mm-hmm. instruments kind of thing. Right? Mm-hmm. And and what is interesting from that is is I and I agree with you, John, that we keep morphing whatever the actual term or mm-hmm. word or whatever. But eventually, we all know that there is something. Something wrong going on in terms of how work happens mm. and how mm. we need to change it. Right. Mm. Uh, the the only concern that I have about the whole thing around digital is that uh, we human beings seem to have this this fetish around technology. You know, uh, in terms of being driven by technology because they're tools. You know, shiny new objects to play with, mm. gadgets mm. and new technologies coming about and uh, whatever else. And and I think that more and more we're living behind the human aspect of how organizations run. And mm. and I know that John, you're a big advocate about humans, mm. well, humans mm. because we are. But it's it's interesting to know how plenty of you know businesses and, and and you know plenty of practitioners keep thinking that they're gonna solve a human problem with technology. And and mm. I keep saying maybe, but there's a great chance maybe. that you won't. Yeah. And but if you look at the history of tech yeah, if you look at the history of how tech, humans have developed technology down through the centuries, um, it's brought benefits, but the law of unintended consequences, it's also brought downsides. So I think the fact that there are conversations about what does digital transformation mean, the good and the bad, you know, affords us opportunities, but it also there's some things we need to be looking out for so that we're not swamped, as you say, Luis, with this sort of fetish for the, the bright, shiny thing. And yeah, it takes, yeah. takes us away from ourselves and our relationships with each other. I agree, but that's what, that's where the challenges begin, right? I mean, um, and yeah. in the sense that it's, it's a lot easier to deal with technology because, you know, technology works or it doesn't. It's as simple as that. Whereas yeah. humans are more complex. You know, sometimes it works, sometimes you don't. Sometimes you have the right emotions, sometimes you don't have the right emotions. And, mm-hmm. and, and working with that complexity, especially in an organization, when then you have, you know, dozens or hundreds or thousands of humans, each of them completely individually different than one another, uh, that level of complexity is what most organizations are really scared in terms of tackling as potential opportunities Absolutely. for improvement or whatever because they feel, you know, I can't control, I can't control the complexity of a human being. And I go like, yeah, yeah. exactly. 
Um, that's the point. But that's, yeah. that's, exactly, that's the whole point. Yeah. That's yeah, the whole yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and I'm, finding, I'm finding, you know, the, the, there's something that I learned when, from when I went independent two years ago almost already is, is that I thought that plenty of the problems that I used to get exposed with in, in the big, large enterprise world, they would be going in the small, medium business or even in, in the kind of like independent world. And mm. and I keep finding out that they are pretty much the same problems, the same issues, mm. the same hiccups, mm. the same business opportunities. Because I, I prefer to see them as a business opportunity than as a problem, right? And the only thing that changes is the scale, right? The, mm. uh, the, the scale, or even the thing, the, the level of complexity to, to a certain degree in, in terms mm. of how organizations run when you are like ten thousand people or when you are like ten people, right? Mm, but yeah. but it's it's part of the same the same dynamics eventually of how people work you know whether you know it's it's an interaction conversation between humans or is it someone telling you ordering you to you know do something obey or else kind of thing right? mm, and mm, mm. and I feel and I feel that technology keeps getting in the way you know? not necessarily because of technology but because of mm. our use and abuse of technology to try to do something that we know. We shouldn't be going to. Well, that's something that is like a continuous work in progress, obviously, right? Because the technology develops so quickly, and people um, are now, you know, uh, adopting these technologies at home uh, before they are being adopted at the workplace. And um, true. And then the, the the workplace tries to catch up with all that technological stuff. And, uh, and, and people need to adapt to that all the time. And then, uh, you know, you get a messy situation. You get, you know, things that are not implemented well and all those kind of things. And the last thing that we think about is how humans react to that. And how do we retain the humanized element in that new technology? And, and then, but then there's people like you and me who you know, explain to a business that, you know, all nice and well, and if that's your end state that you want to go to, uh, then these are the humanized elements that you have to consider in order to obtain that end state. Otherwise, you're not going to make that. True. So, so you know, the, the, the thing there... Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, 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 no. I was, I was, I was trying to make uh, the, the switch to, uh, to life without email. Okay. Well, before we go into that, let me tell yes. you. Let me say something there, in terms of, of I think that you have used two keywords in there that I really like. One mm-hmm. of them is adaptation, how we need to adapt to a new way of working, a new way of using technology, a new way of, of getting business done, which I think is absolutely right. And and the other key notion is that this is a continuous progress, right? I, I mean, mm-hmm. one of our good friends, Howard Yaki. Um, use this, uses this term about giving life in perpetual beta, right? Yes, that's right. And it's yeah. essentially that. It's, it's, our ability, it's our ability to keep learning while we're doing the, while we're doing the job. And, and that's something that organizations are terrified about it because it's something that they cannot put constraints around it. They cannot apply risk management principles or whatever else because we live in a much more complex world than whatever it was 30, 40, 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. And we're still mm-hmm. applying... We're still applying like 20th century thinking models mm-hmm. to 21st mm. century problems. And, and I keep saying, mm. maybe it is a good time now to stop thinking about the past and think about the future in the present, right? Because that's one of the things, one of the things that I have, 
Um, I'm not going to say if I can say pet peeve right now, but um, I run like the plague from, uh, well, from people when they tell me about the future of work and they start talking about the future of work. And, and I keep telling them, you know what? If we don't fix the present, there will not be mm -hmm. any future of work. It's as simple yeah. as that, right? Because yeah. the, yeah. the situation is going out to a level where unless we change things now, in five, mm -hmm. ten years, we won't have anything to worry about, right? Mm. And and then yeah. obviously I know that that activates plenty of you know advocates around the future of work. But I'm saying like you know don't tell me what it's going to be in ten fifteen years. Tell me what I can do now to prepare for those fifteen years when they come, right? Mm -hmm. And and I think mm -hmm. that that adaptability and and that beta always beta learning on the go and never yeah. stop learning is, is essentially where part of the game is. Essentially, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. So Roger, what say about the language of her email? Come on. Uh, no, I, was, I was just enjoying that. I was listening to it. Yes. Well, it's it's kind of a um, because I think it's it's I like the notion of life without email. Uh, I mean, I still use email. I don't use it that much, but it's just something that many people still do. So I'm kind of forced to use it, but. Especially when you're reimagining work, uh, when you say uh, we're not going to use email in the workplace, I mean, if you talk about reimagining work, that is a big thing. I mean, we've talked about a lot of stuff in 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 the past twenty eight episodes, and I think there are few as fundamental as dropping email from the equation. Um, it what is. I, yeah, because yeah, exactly. So what I also think is that it's one of the uh, the best ways to kind of force a business or the way people work into a more twenty first century uh, attitude because you are forced to look at options uh, when you just add more technological uh, equipment or tools or software or whatever. To the workplace it only becomes mm. more and more and more that's one of the fears that many have i don't need more i need more effective ways yeah to i don't want in. i don't want more choice i just want better things exactly i want to work smarter yeah. you know i don't want yeah. to make it more yeah. complex true. by adding true. more tools true but but in reality and, and i can say this from first first hand experience uh, just because you have more tools does not necessarily mean that it's actually less effective. On the contrary, it is a lot more effective. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, the way I describe it, and, and I, you know, the, when you mention and you tie it in the life without email to reimagining work, and, and I was thinking to myself, yes, because there are tons of people for whom email is that work. Mm -hmm. right? mm -hmm. Never mind, never mm -hmm. mind whatever tasks, whatever mm -hmm. other business goals or objectives they have, if you actually, uh, you know, query plenty of people out there, that they will tell you that most of that work happens through email. So when I, when I started this, this no email thing, uh, movement or whatever back in 2008, um, I, was, I was actually expecting to have the effect that it has, which was disrupt entirely the way people not only work, but they also the way people think, right? Uh, mm. Which is a thing central to what you guys are doing with reimagining work uh, podcast and the, the various different interviews that you have been having on conversations because eventually when I did it 
I knew that there was a problem with email. Seven years later, coming or eight years later, I still recognize that there's a problem with email. Plenty of what people keep telling me, you know, this is why I'm suffering with email. To me, it's like going, mm. a, you know, down a trip down the memory lane saying, yeah, I saw that. I lived that. I went through that. But no, no, anymore. And then mm. people tell me, okay, but, you know, how can you be as, as effective as you can be as a practitioner, as a, as, a, as a knowledge worker, if you don't use email? I said, well, by, you know, exactly what Roger mentioned right now, because now I have got better choices to do the things mm. that I'm supposed to be doing at work, right? Mm. And, and the whole game for me started when I, I realized that, uh, the no email thing was going to piss off a lot of people. It still does. In 2015, it still does. That's a good thing. That makes me, that confirms to me that I had hit the right nerve, right? Mm -hmm. and, and it gives me also the opportunity to, to open up a conversation and say, you know, what would happen if you don't have email? Could you do your work? Mm -hmm. And if you cannot do your work, why not, right? So that exercise well, that's of thinking. That's, yeah, I mean, just, just that bit there, that first point you made earlier is like, for, because of we, we've sort of, it's embedded now into our workplace. That is people's work. So that question I can understand would be a challenge. What if you didn't have email? Well, that's a lot of, that's a big part of my work. What would then, what would I then do? So I'm, I'm really right. curious. As to <laughs> Your the, work. As a, Your actual thinking, work. There, there's a, yeah, there's a thinking behind what you're getting people, the change of thinking you, what you're, it's behind what you're doing. What, what is the shift that you are noticing with, with folks? They change their thinking about what work means, or the value of their time, or like what 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 sort of things are you noticing, Luis? Well, what I'm noticing is that people start looking up and look around what's around them, right? If you, you know, if you look at, I have always described email as a very selfish tool in the sense that it only cares about you, no one else, right? Because it's only your inbox and it's only your interactions, and it's only your responses, or it's only sure. the new emails. So sure. when yeah. when I provoke when I provoke that conversation in terms of what would happen if email is not there, the first oh. thing that happens is that people pause and think about, oh yeah, I wonder what would happen if I don't have email. How do I get in touch with people? How do I have conversations with people? And all of a sudden, they start realizing how within their organizations they have got instant messaging. They have got the phone. They have got enterprise social <laughs> network phone. tools. Because yeah, I know um, they can yeah, get hey, up, leave, I, I leave, just, leave their desk, and walk over to somebody else. Exactly. You know, I, I, you know, this year, this year, I have worked with a couple of uh, clients who were basically mostly collocated, and they basically hired me because they said, you know, we spend too much time on email. Can you help us break that chain? And when I basically went there and I talked to them and we had very long conversations around the topic, I realized and I asked it a very nasty question, which was, you know, do you guys ever talk to one another? Mm. And, and, you know, the, the guy that I was working with, he said to me, what do you mean talk? So yeah, we mm. do that through email. I said, no, 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 no. I mean, you get up of your desk, walk to your next door neighbor desk and ask the question on talk there. And then the response I got back, oh, we don't do that. We use email for that. And I thought, like, mm. uh, you do what? I mean, I can, see, I can see the benefit for me to use email now in the sense of, you know, I live in an island and obviously I need to, you know, kind of like get in touch with people through other means. But, I mean, for you that are on the same office as all of your colleagues and you have all of the interactions through email versus talking to people face-to-face, -face, I felt like there's something more fundamental here, right, that is, is mm. utterly wrong. And, and eventually, so one of the perceptions that I have of, I've learned about, you know, going back to, to John's question, is that uh, by interrupting the flow of how people work through email, I, you get them to open up, to realize, to realize that it's no longer about them.
that is about the people that they work with, about the networks that they build, the communities that they have, <laughs> the very <various laughs> different choices that they have in terms of tools to improve the way they collaborate and share knowledge. And eventually becomes an exercise of saying, you know, am I as effective as I can be helping my colleagues achieve their goals? Because that's eventually what it is. You know, it's, it's a situation where, you know, 10, 15 years ago, you would probably be able to say that you could do work on your own. You know, you were working on one single project, one single manager, uh, one single small team, all collocated. So you would probably be able to say that, you know, you could do the job with no problem. Now, 15 years later, I keep telling people that you just basically can't do the work alone. You mm-hmm. always need someone else, right? So that, that mm. inner urge to collaborate with someone is going to be there. And my proposition in terms of the email thing was that email as a collaboration tool, not as a communication tool. So I make a differentiation between communicating and yes. collaborating. Yes. Uh, it's pretty awful, frankly. Mm. Yes. And, yeah. and when I go and I talk to organizations about the amount of, of email volume that they handle, and then they tell me that they don't talk. I say, like, no wonder. No wonder why you don't talk. You know, based on the interactions that you do, you have your employees spending four, five, six hours per day mm. looking at their stupid mm. inbox. No mm. wonder you have for the bonus. Uh, right? so, so to me, the mm. big message there is, is open up. You know, helping open up and helping folks open up in terms of new ways of doing things. See what they have got wrong. And then answer the big question, you know, could you do your work without email? And if the answer that they tell me, yeah, I probably would. So then that's when I become a bit more vicious and I say, like, so why don't yeah. we do it? Because yeah. I, like, I like that. I like that, that question where you go, like, can you do your work without email? And it's not necessarily about turning off the exchange server and, and just, like, from tomorrow, we're not going to use email anymore. Uh, and you just figured it out how you do it or how you want to do it or whatever. Um, but it's right. just about going through the process of being aware of the way that you're working and the way that you are communicating with your neighbor or with somebody else within the department or anywhere for that matter. And just figuring out that that is not the most efficient way to do you know, conversations. I mean, to, to have a conversation. It's mm. not a conversation. Let me put it that way. You're not talking. Mm. You're just sending over a little bit of information that somebody has mm. to interpret in exactly the right way in order to get something done that you hope that might get done at some point anyway. Because, you know, you always, you kind of, you push away your responsibility. You don't confront anybody. You don't get things done. You don't demand instant action because it's always something that, you know, it's always open for interpretation as far as, as what actually is in the email or the time frame that you need to reply and, oh, I don't want to deal with that right now, so I'm, I'm putting it away. I'm, I'll, I'll answer that email later. Uh, instead of when somebody's at your desk, you know, asking a question, you can go mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm, I'm going to put you on hold for a bit. I'll, I'll come back to you later. I want that answer now. You know, I need to get this done, what it is that I'm working on. So I like it where you go like, you know, first we're going to look at if you can do your work without email. If you cannot, then there's something wrong with the way you do your work. I True. And, and, no, go ahead. Sorry. No, no, no. That's it. And, and, you know, what happens there, though, is that when you get people to stop and think, then they realize that they could do things a lot better. But it's just because of that inertia of saying, oh, this is how we run things here nowadays. You know, it's a typical thing when I have, 
you know, plenty of people know the whole thing that I've been doing about an email for a long while now, and, and they keep sending me articles and research and studies that have been done, especially, for instance, now with uh, younger generations, right? And they tell me, yeah, yeah, but look at the younger generations. They're using email just as much as we do or even worse. And I keep wondering, like, yeah, but have you asked why that Yeah, happens? exactly. Mm-hmm. Because if you ask them, that's, they that's will tell you that the only Right, because they, they will tell yeah. you that the only reason why they use email is because the older employees who have got all of the knowledge, who do not yes. share all of the knowledge, who do not participate on open networks or open communities, basically withdraw themselves behind the inbox. So, of course, we have to use email. Yeah, it's the only way to reach them. I mean, exactly, exactly. Wow. And, and when, but when you turn that around and you put it that way, people go, oh, I never thought about that. I say, of course not, because you always look at your inbox as your own personal selfish tool for doing work <laughs> versus whatever else is doing, right? So when you start thinking about others and the impact of, that you're having in others by using email, the whole thing you know, changes, the whole game changes. People start thinking like, yeah, you got a point in terms of what do I do with my knowledge? And, you know, I, I know... You know, being a broken record of this for over a decade, right? When I keep telling people that, you know, knowledge is power and then, if you know, people who say, you know, I don't want to share my power, my knowledge because, you know, otherwise that makes me dispensable. Yeah. And I keep telling people that the number one tool that was capable of sustaining that mentality was email. By far. There's no other tool out there that allows people to control the flow of information and the knowledge they have and how they share it and with whom they share it. And it's, yeah. it's, and it's so awful. I find it so awful that about the, the, the loss of, you know, the opportunity there in terms of saying, what will happen if I pick up a number of interactions and I all of a sudden I open them up and I make them available to everyone, you know? And, mm-hmm. and that's, that's where, for me, part of the magic is. Because that's when you help people understand what they have been doing over the course of time, but what lies ahead in terms of, hey, I need to change the way I work, right? And, and I know, you know, that there are some other people who may be listening and say, okay, so does it mean that I need to turn it off completely? I said, no. You know, I did that eight years ago, and it was crazy. You know, three weeks after I started the whole thing, I was on the, I was on the brink of giving up on giving up email, if you know what I mean, right? And, and now, nowadays, what I tell people is you don't have to start 100%. You can pick up a number of different interactions of what you do day to day and say, you know, this interaction from now onwards, I'm going to move it into a much more open space. I think you're actually challenging people to ask the question, why? Why am I doing this? And I think that's a really healthy thing. You know, we, we haven't, as I was saying earlier, we haven't yet got to the new way of working. We don't yet know what it is. But when you challenge and you actually get people to change their thinking or to look at their thinking, I think that's the revolution, really. You know, we've got we've got it now where, yeah, exactly. you know, like I was saying, email is your work and email shouldn't be your work. Email should be a thing, a tool that you use to assist you to do your work. And the chat that, you know, why are you doing this is, is, is a wonderful thing. Yeah. Well, let's yeah, face it. Yeah, I mean, I, email, I think... email is not just, it's just not, not just that, that thing. I mean, what you, you say, it's not just like, oh, it's my work. It's also used to define your work and define how busy you are. Uh, no, yeah. you should see my inbox. I mean, I'm, I'm way too busy to do anything other than mm. look at my inbox <laughs> and how full it is. I mean, it's that perpetuated mm. circle. That, I mean, it's, it's insane. But it's also used as a power tool. Uh, mm. And that is something that, that kind of rubs me totally the wrong way. Um, mm. Because it, Absolutely. well, it, it, with my friend again, and uh, 
uh, when we talk about stupid Harvey, I don't know if you stupid Harvey. I don't know if you've met him yet, Louise, but you should. No, I haven't. Oh, it looks like I should have some fun with. with yeah, him. yeah, yeah, yeah. He is, <laughs> but in that particular office, I mean, that's where you know emails are sent, and then there's uh, there's you know, one person that sends an email to another person with a question, and then that email answers that question in a with a with a you know nice political statement, but copies in uh, management. And then the email, and so you never get your answer, but you get a strategic uh, response. Then that email goes back with, again, the same question, but now everybody is in CC. Then the discussion starts mm -hmm. with an email. Uh, 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 and then the, the original person that asked the question is being pulled out of the CC. And then the other group is, is emailing around and talking about the question, whilst the first person still doesn't have an answer on the question. Right, and so you're kind yeah. of pushed out, or you're 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 put in your place, and 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 it's continuously email that allows that to happen because it's also a record, right? People can print out an email right. and go like, "See, I told you, this is what's happening." Yeah, right. Yeah, but mm. you know what? You know what? This is this is where I get really vicious because I have I've had those kind of arguments over the years, and I keep telling people, you know, they're. There, there are two things in there, basically, that are very problematic with how we abused email today. Right? One of them is, and I agree 100% with you, is how it is used as a political weapon, as a bullying weapon. Mm -hmm. right? The way people bully others through email, it's amazing. You know, the CC mm -hmm. and the BCC field are, is, mm -hmm. is just basically uh, obnoxious at this point in time. Mm -hmm. So exactly. that's, that's one thing, right? how people play political games just because they want to pull off their own agendas. Right, yeah. and then they want to go and say, "Oh, I have got proof of this. Look, you know, I sent this email to X, Y, Z. We didn't do anything about it." Yeah. Right. Now, typically, when I have that kind of reaction, I say, "You know what? You're telling me there right now that you do not trust anyone, not even yourself, to do work. Mm -hmm. If you have to rely on an email that you sent to yeah. audit and prove that you have sent that email, you're telling right. me that you don't trust what you do. So I'm mm -hmm. sorry, but you have a much more fundamental problem than whatever you're doing at work, which is yourself." Mm -hmm. Mm. And then the other thing is, is, is going back to what Roger mentioned about how we make ourselves busy with the amount of email traffic that we have, right? And, and mm. one of the things that I really like about the no email thing is, is how it, it helps tremendously reduce frictions at work, especially unhealthy frictions, right? Mm. So exactly. I, I, you know, I, used to, I used to work with people back in the day where they will show off that they will have two, three, four hundred, five hundred emails per day. You know, and everyone will look yeah. at them and say, Oh my God, they're so busy, I cannot interrupt them anymore. You know, they're so incredibly busy. And and eventually I turn around and say, You poor pathetic souls, really. I mean, <laughs> you're telling me that you have got four hundred emails or five hundred emails, and that's how you justify your work. I'm sorry, but you have been hired to do much more productive things than clearing yeah. up your inbox. Exactly. The amount of money lost. By people going through their inboxes is just, I mean, that's 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 got to be multi-billion dollar. Oh, uh, it is. You know, if you think about, you know, and then you go and people suffer when they have to order a two hundred euro hard drive or even a fifty euro hundred fifty euro hard drive because now they have to go through approvals up to the CFO. And I go like, do you realize about? All of the senior people that you have and the amount of time that they spend on their email boxes every day wasting it instead of being with clients, for instance. Yeah. And I, yeah. like that's that's obnoxious. Like, you know, yeah. and it's frustrating at the same time because 
you know, mm. your, your initial urge when you come to work is do good work. I don't know anyone who doesn't want to do good work. Mm. I, don't want to, I don't know anyone who doesn't want to contribute to feel better what they do and everything else. There may be exceptions mm. about jerks, toxic people. We have them. We've seen sure. them, right? Sure. But in general, most people just basically want to do good work. And what happens yes. is that as soon as they go through the threshold of the office door, even virtually, Something transforms in their mind, yeah. and they go, "I need to be on the on the offensive, or or in the defensive." You know, I need yeah, to yeah. put up a fight. I need to put up a mask and pretend to be who I'm not. And instead of doing good work that I know I could do, I just have to basically play a role. And yeah. I thought, like, I'm sorry, but organizations, businesses were not meant to play those play those roles. You know, organizations were meant to do the work that they were specifically their purpose, right? Do it, which is why, you know, we mentioned John about the why question. That's why I, I love mm. the why question. Mm. And it's not that I'm looking for, I don't look for an explanation or, or say, you know, why do you do this? And oh, well, because that to me is an explanation. What I want to mm. know is when I ask that why is tell me why you come to work every day for. That's the you one. Know, is, what is, what, how, how, does doing, how does doing 400 emails or whatever the thing is, the nonsense thing is, how does it connect with your why, your purpose of coming to work and working in this place? And that's the big thing. Get, letting people pair some of that stuff back and reconnect with their why. I think then right. it becomes easier to challenge their use of emails and other technology. I mean, one of my things is is meetings. Challenging the, it's a it's a it's a cultural. Another one. That's another big. You're, you're a you should, life without so, meetings. Yeah, you should have life without meetings. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's one. It's one of my things, and it's like we, the, like the e, the email started out, and it, and it's a useful tool. Uh, Meetings, we began to have meetings and they're useful, but then we just get layers and layers and layers of them and we start to, you know, just do it because that's what's always been done. You know, why are you, why are you, why are you at work? Is this meeting going to help you to do your work? Is this email going to help you and others to do their work? That's the really important question. I think that's, that's the thing that we need to just keep challenging. And, you know, you say you sound like a broken record. I think it, the world still needs it, Luis. You know, people haven't yet got that Great. thing of connecting with I, their purpose I, I, and questioning I why know, they do the work. Yeah, I know, and I agree with you. And I think that, you know, a very interesting remark that you mentioned there, John, is the situation where, uh, you know, we need to help people understand how they are, they are the ones who have got the answer. We don't. You know, they are the ones who need to change That's the it. way they work because they need to say it, right? It's That's not it. something, I mean, I, I keep telling people, I keep telling people, you know, when, I, when I'm called to work with organizations and businesses and then, and then people tell me, you know, you need to help us change. I say, well, um, I'm going to help you change, but it's something that needs to come within you, not me. That's I cannot right. change you. That's I cannot do anything. The only thing that I can do is I can provide the conditions for you to make a decision whether mm -hmm. you want to go and change. That's, the, that's all I can do. Right? Yeah, you can ask and, interesting questions. You can open interesting conversations and all that stuff, but the real change has to come from people, absolutely. Yeah. Right, right. And, and, and one good way of doing it is, is, I mean, you mentioned challenging the whole notion of how we do work. And, and you know, back when I was in, in big corporate world, when I was working on IBM, the way I described that was challenging the status quo of how certain things are run, right? Mm. And basically challenge that notion of the status quo to see whether it's good enough to go with it or whether it's an opportunity there for change, right? And, yeah. and that change, obviously, is how we, we help the various different practitioners understand how they are the ones in charge, in control of their own change. Yes, yes. And the only thing that we can do is we can we can basically just help provide the right conditions. You know, you need to have, you know, whatever it is, coaching, facilitating, enablement, education, you know, advising, whatever it is. But eventually, mm -hmm. they're the ones who need 
to say, yes, I do have a problem with email. What can I do? Right? Mm. I cannot go. Mm. I, I basically, I typically don't go and, and talk to people and tell them, you have got a problem with email. I can't do that. That's obnoxious of me to say that. Right? Mm. I can mm. say, you know, I can say it looks like you may have a problem. Do you see it that mm. way? And see if they themselves see it. And then mm. from their own words, for opportunities of how they can transform. But other than that, mm. it's, it's just basically relying and still on that command and control of saying, you know, because I know better, you should do what I tell you to do. So now, mm-hmm. I, 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 and it's funny because I had earlier on this year, I had a client that expected me to behave that way. Yeah. And, and I basically went to them and I said, so you, you expect me to tell you what to do and you do it mm-hmm. regardless of whether it fits or not your business. Mm-hmm. And they said, yeah, because that's what we're used to with consultants. And I got like, oh, no, 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 no. Sorry, that's not the world that I want to enter. I'm sorry. You know, no, yeah. no. Yeah. And, and eventually I had to go forward and tell them, you know what? Um, I could tell you what you need to do and do it. Mm-hmm. But that would not be you. That would be me trying to put my words into your brain. Right? That's right. Yeah. And, and what I, I told them essentially was, I'm not going to do that. What I'm going to do is I'm going to tell you what we could do, what you could do, and mm. what I could do to help you achieve that, right? Mm. And then from their own words, uh, it's up to you to make that decision as to how you would want to take it. And then they tell me, you know, that they came back to me and said, yeah, but we don't know how it's going to work out. And I said, that's the whole magic. That's the point, no yes. One knows. <laughs> that's the whole learning experience. Yeah. And they yeah. look at me yeah. like saying, like, ah, Oh, yeah, but we will be lost. I said, no, you won't, because there will always be people there who will be willing to help you out. That's the whole transformation effort. That's where the transformation starts. Absolutely. And, and yeah, absolutely. Guess what? I'm, still, I'm still working with them. So, um, I mean, in the sense that that triggered a completely different way of thinking in terms of how they view the way they, they were working with. And it all started with that conversation as to saying, you know, we're getting too much email. And I thought, like, okay, maybe yeah. you need to think about why is that happening? Why yeah. you may not need to work with it? And that's what's going to happen, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. from their own words, it's how you're going to define uh, how you would want to work together. Mm-hmm. And, that's the, and that last bit, that, that work together, that's, that's the essence of it, really, because what you're doing is also challenging the basic assumption of how the business runs, the basic assumption being dependency. You know, we're depending on the people above me to tell me what to do, blah, 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 and so it goes. When you challenge the basic assumption, you get to you get closer to that working together thing. People work together when they aren't dependent on the leader to fix, because things right. aren't there to be fixed. There are th- there are things, there are concerns and issues to to be kicked around by the people who are facing them, and then for them to find the solutions that work best for them. I think that's that's the biggest thing. Again, it's connected to that asking why, challenging the, the deep thinking of what drives yeah. the business and how how. It and works. And, yeah. and eventually, you know, eventually it's all about introducing new concepts, you know, such as like for instance, co-creation. Right? Or, or mm. competition where you collaborate eventually to compete mm. with competition or you co-create together. So you work together in, in terms of whatever outputs that you want to work. It's not that one yeah. will do the output and then you will obey, but it's actually something that you draft yourself, that you work with yourself yeah. and you co-write or you co-create it with someone else. That's the magic. Yeah. That, that to me is yeah, where yeah. the whole transformation process starts. And, and uh, the interesting thing about it is how something so relatively simple as challenging the status quo of email eventually mm. turn into transforming how an entire organization works, right? And well, that, and that confirms... Yeah, yeah. You would have ripple, yeah. would have ripple effects. It makes absolute sense to me because you're challenging a deep-seated um, assumption again about how things should be getting people yeah. to think. And, and that makes sense. Exactly. And what 
what's happening there is that what it, what it has helped me understand as well from that perspective is, is how much embedded email is into the workflow, right? And how by just challenging how it works, by just challenging how people use it or abuse it or whatever, you're capable of disrupting the entire way of thinking of how business gets done on that particular company, right? Mm-hmm. Or you know, whatever you work with and everything else. And that to me is where the whole theme around that digital transformation kicks in because then that's when you start helping people about you know, questioning the purpose, questioning yes. the how, questioning the why, yes. and questioning yes. the action plan you know, in, in terms of you know, this is what we think we can do. And, and like I said, I don't have the silver bullet that will help you transform the organization. You have it. Mm. The only thing that I can mm. do is I can tell you that you have it and make you believe mm. that you have it until you take it out and you start trigger, right? Mm. And, and that's essentially what I, you know, what I, what I keep telling people about the no email thing in, in the sense of, you know, okay, they tell me, yeah, but, you know, email is good. You know, it's still a good tool. I say, yes, it's a good tool. But that doesn't mean that we need to rely 100% that we are doing right mm. now right mm. and, and and you know people tell me oh that does that mean that you still get emails and say of course i still get emails i get maybe five a week but it's five mm. a week. Mm. it's like on the same level as what faxes used to be 10 years ago right i know it's there i know that it helps me communicate specific things in a specific context for a specific person uh for whatever the actual concrete purpose but that's it you know anything else happens in other spaces where I know that other people would benefit from it, right? Yes. And that, to me, is, is where that transformation effort starts from help, helping people understand how email is no longer the king of communication mm. and collaboration. It's just mm. one other option, which in most cases mm. is not even probably the right tool anymore. No, right? it, it's, yes. it's never really been, right? I mean, it's something that, it was invented at some point and it was all good and it was all fantastic and we could use email. I mean, it was fantastic, but it was the only digital uh, way for us other than a fax uh, to send one document to somebody else. And that was... Well, you know, yeah. I, I tell you what, I tell you what, Roger, the moment that we started to think that email could be a content repository, that's the moment where we screwed it up. Yeah, but th- exactly. Right. That's the because worst. you know originally, 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 email was designed as a messaging and notification system of exactly. content that was stored elsewhere. Exactly. Right. So it was like an alert system. Exactly. The moment that, that, that we, that's where it's very that, useful for. I mean, still is. I mean, as far still as is. getting yeah. alerts still, and and but still is. But but that's no longer that's no longer what I call email as content repository. That's more like what they call as bait or what they know as as bait. Right, it's those alerts, those notifications of content that is stored elsewhere, and eventually, what you do there is your email system becomes an aggregator of content, mm. right? So it's like mm. an RSS feed reader. Essentially, mm. what you do with those those alerts mm. is no longer the content repository where no, you know no. it's only the, the only place where you store your documents, your contacts, your conversations, and everything else. That's very problematic. For mm. instance, in the context of people leaving organizations, the moment that someone leaves the organization, the first thing that HR does is wipe out all of that, and then what? Yeah. Yeah. What are you going to do with that lost? It's a knowledge black hole, is what it is. It is. It is. And and you know what? I mean, we having we have been having email for like what 42, 43 years already. Forty four, I think mm. it was in nineteen seventy one, and and forty four years later, we're still wondering why people, why organizations, cannot work more effectively with the knowledge they have around them. And it's like <laughs> no wonder, no wonder. It's just we keep wiping it out. You know. 
And, and you know, I build everything, was... reinvent the wheel continuously. Exactly. With, mm. the, with the new people that are coming in and everything else. And I had, I had that aha moment. I mean, I knew it from before, right? But to me, it was my first-hand experience when I left the company, when I left IBM two years ago. Um, my inbox was zero. It's been zero for like, you know, six years at the time, right? And so when I left the company, my least worry was what's going to happen with all of my email? You know, what I'm yeah. going to do with that? And I said, I don't have anything. So all of my interactions, all of my contacts, all of my networks, all of my content was stored on the local enterprise social networking tool. And mm. the beauty of it all is that two years later, I still keep getting contacted by former colleagues who tell me, hey, I use your presentation today for this client. Yeah. And I said, shit, that's, that's one word, that one magic word, which is legacy. That was my legacy. Right, with shit. email, you don't have any legacy, right? And, and that's what I keep telling people about in terms of, of you know, clear benefits of what it could do to move away from that email-centric environment is eventually mm. it's a legacy, what you want to build on when you're not there, right? Mm. And mm. how you're going to help the organization continue running when you're not there, essentially. Mm. And, and that's one of the mm. things that I, I really like about you know, the whole experience of, of moving away from it, right? And, and it, helps me, it helps me provoke an initial round of conversations in terms of whether an organization is, is mildly ready for the transformation or not. You know, there's sometimes yeah. where I talk to organizations yeah. and they tell me, we're not ready to go walk away from email. And I say, okay, I will wait for you guys. I'm not going to work with you. And they say, why? I say, you know, you're going to be wasting money or losing money. I said, no, I won't. You're not ready to make that transformation. I will come back. Mm. Don't worry. And they say, yeah, but, you know, we think we're ready. I said, well, if you tell me that you're an email-centric organization and you want to remain an email-centric organization, wake up. You're not ready to transform. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and they tell me, yeah, but you're going to be you know, losing the, the, the gig or whatever else. I say, you know, uh, you know what? I prefer to lose the money than go crazy mm -hmm. with you guys trying to convince you. Right? Because yeah. like I said before, I cannot change people. You can only change yourselves. Right? Mm -hmm. and, and I basically, you know, I'm a very patient man. And I keep telling them, don't worry, I'll be there, I'll wait. You know, if it takes one, two, three, four years, I'll wait, I'll come back, mm. don't worry. And, and it's, it's, but you, it's have, you have my email not, address, you know. so I'll wait. <laughs> 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 that was the first thing that, that came to mind. No, but seriously, that was the first thing. Oh, I'll come back when you're ready, you have my email address, you know where to find me. And I go like, wait, hang on. <laughs> In, interestingly enough, I had one, two times that happened to me that, that last year. And eventually they came back, but they didn't do it through email. They did it through Twitter. And go. that's when they knew that they were ready. Exactly. Right? Because yeah. they left their own comfort zone to go to an area that they yes. no longer feel comfortable because they wanted to do something to fix it, right? And that's one of the things that I keep hearing from people in terms of, you know, surprising. When I went independent, everyone thought that I was going to leave that no email thing behind, that I was going to go back to email because as a freelancer, I need to have an email box. Right. And, and then, you know, a number of people were telling me, yeah, but, you know, if you don't have email and you're not going to do the email thing, that means that you're going to be losing business. And I said, well, maybe I need to lose business in the sense of maybe people are not ready just for the kind of transformation that I can propose. Right. Mm. And, and if, if that situation happens where those, those clients decide to still be on that email centric kind of, of operating model. And I thought like, okay, maybe I just need to, you know, walk on and, you know, mm. mentioned that obviously I'm still here, I'm still available, I'm still willing to do it, mm. but when you're willing, I kind of force it on down to you. Right? 
right? That's right, yeah. And, and, and I basically keep thinking, you know, it's a big world, and it's also a small world, because I know that at one point it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back. I mean, I remember when I started this no email thing, it was just me fighting 600,000 people in the organization, right? Mm. And there were no vendors doing the no email thing. There, were, there was very little literature about the whole subject and very little experience all around there and everything else. Kind of like a pioneering effort. Now, 2015, there are a number of various different vendors doing no email thing. There are a number of various different mm. kinds of businesses who have banned completely email. Not even just like reduce mm. it, but ban it. Mm. And there are hundreds of, or, or you know, thousands of other people who are starting to challenge the status quo of what email does to their productivity. Mm. And you know, eight years later, and, and I agree with you, John, that probably we're still at the beginning of the whole thing, right, in terms mm. of not a broken record. But eight years later, I no longer feel alone in the whole thing. Yeah, you know what I mean? Right. Good, good. Yeah. And and there there are lots of you know good companies out there who are basically transforming the way they work, walking away from email because they feel that there's been a productivity drain for most of the employees. Right? Mm-hmm. And and they, you know I had a couple of people who were saying to me, you know, did you work with this company that just banned email? And said, no, I didn't even know about it. But thank you for telling me because that's just another one that I will add onto the list. Mm. Right? And now that I have got like two, three dozens of of companies that are no longer doing email internally. Right, yeah. And, and it's, it's ba- that's basically telling me that, you know, eight years later, or nearly eight years later, that that transformation effort is eventually going to happen. So if people are patient enough, if they persevere enough, if they're resilient enough, the transformation will happen. I don't think that, you know, I think that we, we reached past the, the tipping point where we no longer have a choice. I don't think yeah. that we have a choice anymore. Yeah. yeah. So uh, earlier you were talking about you know, challenging, challenging the, the notion of email about, you know, do you not do, how do you people speak to each other? Do you speak to each other? What, with the, the companies you've just uh, referred to, the, the, these businesses that have shifted away from it, what are some of the other ripple effects that you are aware of that your no email work kind of has, has created? But the number one is, is trust. <clears throat> Is generating more trust, trust. among people. Yeah, yeah because you know the moment the moment that you stop using email and you start using more collaborative and social tools, the moment that you open up to others in the sense that people will know you better, they will know what you're good at, they will know what your expertise, they will know what you do for work, mm. and they will, and you will know it from everyone else. So if there is an opportunity for you to work with someone else, it's not you know you're no longer going to work with that stranger. It's someone that you know. It's someone that yeah. you can look up. It's someone that you can see their content, their contributions, their networks. Yeah. So the ability to build trust is tremendously powerful. Right? Mm. And, and, and one of the ripple effects that I have been seeing myself and, and I have been told about is how now people trust themselves a lot more in terms of mm. how they work with others by just opening up. You know, if you look mm. into, if you look into, and this is, this is a funny, funny story here where, you know, I, typically when I, I work and I do presentations on the no email thing, trust always comes up. Mm. as an issue, right? And, and I ask people, you know, will you be able to work with people who you do not trust? Mm. And vast majority, they tell me, of course not. I need to trust the people that I work with. Mm. And I say, okay, so how do you trust them? I say, by knowing them. Mm. And how do you know them? By what they share, what they contribute, what they converse about, mm. what they learn. That's how you basically get to trust them, right? It's that healthy friction of the interaction, of the conversation. And at one point, I had one manager, one middle manager, who told me, yeah, but I know my people so well that I don't trust them. 
And I basically, <laughs> and, you know, that says more about that person than the people. <laughs> I tell you what, I tell you what. In a split second, I didn't think. I didn't think about the answer, but you know, my mouth opened up, and I said, "I think, Mister, you have got a much more fundamental problem." Yeah, <laughs> using tool X or Y or Z, and and it doesn't have to do anything with digital technologies. It basically has with you or your HR department hiring the right, the wrong people, and probably you're even the wrong person, right? Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, you know, I regret that last comment, but eventually <laughs> he got the message across, right? Mm-hmm. But but eventually, that was one of the biggest ripple effects: the the fact that people started trusting each other more to do work together, right? Which which helps that transition from the traditional command and control top-down execution of, of, of activities mm. into all that horizontal working in networks and communities kind of mentality, mm. right? So the organizations become a lot more porous and a lot more transparent in terms of mm. how they work, which is one of the other ripple effects in terms of information now finally flows freely, right? Yeah. And, and one of the other ripple effects is as a result of that information flowing freely now is that people are capable of making better decisions. You know, this, this basically is one of the, the, biggest, the biggest perks that I described to management in terms of why they need to stop using email is because it will free them up to do more effective work than trapping knowledge. You know, mm-hmm. well, the way I describe it is that, you know, the main, if you look into it, the main difference between an employee and a manager is that the manager usually has got more information than the employee. Yeah. Usually, right? Mm-hmm. And that, that's the information power struggle kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So when you have got digital tools that leverage that difference, where the information is freely available, managers have got a very tough time to justify their position as a manager, sure. right? Sure. Because the employees cannot make better decisions in terms of the work that they do. Mm. So then I have had managers who tell me, okay, so what's my role then in this new brave world? Well, I say, well, you know what? You will still have to manage because there will be some decisions that they will want you to make. Right? because they know that it's your decision that needs to take place. Right. But eventually, you also need to start that transition into becoming more than a manager, more of a leader, where you become more of a coach or mentor, mm. facilitator for them to be able to do Absolutely. more productive. Absolutely. Yeah. And then people tell me, like, yeah, but digital tools don't have anything to do with this, really. I say, that's right. You know, Someone called Peter Drucker, I'm sure that you guys know, mm-hmm. said that the major obstacle for managers was to be in the middle and the opportunity for managers is to be basically get rid of the middle, essentially get rid of yourself, mm. right? And become that more of a leading role of being that mentor, that facilitator, that coach, if you want to say it. Because, you know, if people have got the right information to make the right decisions, if they have the right tools, if the processes are there and they're good processes or relatively mm. good processes, the employees will be able to do their work very mm. effectively. And they would want you to still be there as their guiding manager, not as their constricting manager, so mm. to speak. Right? Mm. And that has been one of the other major ripple effects in terms of how it's transformed the way management happens. Right? It's no longer management, managing down via email through command and control. It's more, I wonder what my people are doing today on the open networks. Mm. And find out for yourself what they're doing and participate in conversations as to, hey, you're working on that. How about if we work on this one together or something like that, right? So it has helped up. It has it, ha, it has helped up tremendously to open up conversations. Yeah, um, and, and, and and you take that overseeing role, and you can go, hey, I see you're working on this. Here's another person that you might be interested to talk to. 
you know, you have a bigger picture. Hey, there's some resources that you might find really useful. So kind of that's the kind of the facilitating, making sure people have got everything they need to do their job. Absolutely. And, and you're yeah. the biggest case, you're the biggest use case for that is that plenty of those uh, leading or managing roles is, oh, I see that you're struggling with this issue. Maybe you need to get in touch with that person who I that's know right. can. Right. Absolutely. That's, Absolutely. One things, that's one of the things that I have always been saying in general when I talk about, you know, social business adoption or adaptation. I like adaptation better, actually, uh, for the role of middle managers. You know, if you look into, they are considered the gatekeepers. They're considered the trouble area, right, in the mm -hmm. transformation effort. Mm -hmm. and, and what I always keep telling middle managers and whatever the senior level is that middle managers are actually the social breach that you need to have in the organization because they're connected to the top and they're connected to the bottom. Mm -hmm. So the other ones who need to facilitate that dialogue to come forward back and forth between both layers or all layers, right? And their role mm -hmm. as a guiding principle in terms of saying, you know, here's how you can get in touch with that person or how you can find these resources or here's someone else that can help you out or that you can help out. I, I think that kind of role as a social bridge is critical for them to understand how they can benefit from the whole yeah. thing. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and eventually yeah. what happens is that you make, you make the employees a lot more um, committed and motivated to work for what they do care about. Right? Because if you look into um, plenty of the disengagement that is currently going on, it's eventually happening because most people do not feel like they own their work. That it's sure. owned by someone else who makes decisions for them, mm. right? Mm. So when you start releasing some of that and you start giving them a little bit more responsibility and accountability and a little bit more of, of that autonomy that, you know, they can work on, there will be some people who will be scared and they will tell you, no, I don't want to do that. I want my manager to still make decisions. But a larger chunk of the population, they will tell, they will tell you that they're ready to make that transition, right? Mm. And I think that that's, mm. that's, what, that's what's going to help us transform how we view work eventually in terms of not necessarily just executing uh, what we have been told to do but more about what can I do to change the way I work and how I work and how I collaborate with other people mm. 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 okay excellent well famous last words wow that was that was good <laughs> <laughs> so it's, it's already been an hour so time flies when you're not using email. I know, uh, you see? And, and see? it's funny because you, know, you, guys, you guys noticed that we haven't exchanged a single email to set this up. No. No, so, no, so it no. I think, I, think, I think this is part of the thing. We've kind of realized there are other tools to do the things that we need to do it with. Yeah. And, I, and I've liked how the conversation has been quite expansive. It's not just a let's get rid of email, but there's, a, there's, there's some good, solid reason yeah, behind it, and it's exactly. about getting refocused on purpose about work, and, you know, what am I doing here? Yeah, why? Um, I think that's been pretty good, yeah. Yeah, yeah you know, there's, there's a bit of a transformation effort as well for the life we're going, because you know, everyone thinks that it's just about dumping email, and no, that's just the starting point. That's yeah. where you it's begin. Too simplistic. That's too simplistic. Right. Exactly. Yeah. exactly. That's when you start transforming the way you work and how you work. And that's eventually the journey that you, you begin when you start challenging that state to square. Mm. Right. Yes, mm. that's right. Yeah. Okay. Well, well, we'll leave it at that. Uh, because I'm afraid okay. that if we keep on going, we can literally keep on going. So um, <laughs> I'm going to mm. thank our guest, uh, Luis Suarez. If you want to look him Thank up, you. you can find him on Twitter uh, as, as Elsua. That's right. That's right, eh? Yeah. 
That is. That's right. Or just basically, you know, just basically do Google.com, Luis Suarez, and I'm the one who doesn't play football. Yeah, exactly. I mean, he's the first. The one that doesn't uh, play football. Yeah, exactly. He's he's the first Luis Suarez you come across when you, uh, when you, well, you can skip football, right? Not use football in your search. Yes. Okay. So uh, thank you very much, Luis, for this enlightened conversation. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I'm going to close. Anybody who's listening who wants to subscribe can go to subscribe.rwcast.com and sign up for the newsletter and uh, you will receive every episode in your... (laughs) There we go. That's a bad one, actually. (laughs) In your mailbox. Well, that's where you can use email as a notification system instead of a knowledge management. Well done. Well done. Nice save, huh? I get my notifications notifications in my podcast app. (laughs) There you go. You can do that. You can go to iTunes or you can go to Stitcher and sign up there. Then you'll get it into your your app straight away. Okay. So, from me, goodbye. From me, goodbye. There you go. And is our guest still there? We, yes, yes, I'm still here. Thank you guys for having me again. It's been a treat. And I'll see you all online. Thank you, Luis. Okay, catch yeah. you on the flip side. Thank you. Goodbye. Thanks very much. Ciao. Bye. Okay.